It's car con carne. You have much better lighting than I do. <laughs> I worked on that, actually. All right, so uh, James Van Osdell, podcaster on CarCon Carne. Where's a Carney? I always say Carne. Carne. Um, it is Carne. Okay. Uh, host of local. See, here, here's where I went wrong. It's Spanglish. It's equal parts <laughs> English and Spanish. It's kind of like your name, Jacques. Because uh-huh. really, if you're going for the full French thing, it'd be Jacques Le Plus, not Jacques Lemore. <laughs> Right. That yeah. I mean, that is so true. Um, I've had so many people uh, get get my name wrong. They they butcher it on a on a constant constant basis. Um, as obviously you show sh- you you shared a uh, a picture yesterday of you getting takeout, and <laughs> they messed up. You know what? What did it say? Jane. Jane Venopel. Venopel. I thought it was Venolto or Vinalto. something like That's that. That's what it was. That's what it was. Okay. I, either I, way, I a whole lifetime of my name being butchered. It's just something I accept. It's something I've let my kids know. This is just the way it's going to be for the rest of your life. Yeah. Sorry. Cool. Sorry. I was just sharing this real quick. Okay. So you're also, besides uh, Con Carn Carne, uh, your host of local music show, Demo 312 on 101 WKQX in Chicago. Um, you know, you have been brought up so many times on pop punk and pizza whether it was your podcast or it was your radio show you know demo 312 because a lot of the bands that yeah we, have, we share a lot of the same bands and rolodex so to speak yeah exactly whether like we've both interviewed the same bands or you know played the same music or all that stuff um there your name just ends up getting dropped on the podcast a lot so i thought it would be cool to if people hadn't actually gone that step further and been like, oh, I'm going to check out this CarCon Carne podcast or I'm going to listen to Demo 312 or whatever. If they hadn't had a chance to do that yet, they can learn like who James Van Osdell is. So that was another um, another reason I wanted to, to have you on the show. I appreciate uh, that. Here's, here's the funny thing. Food is part of what you do. Food is part of what I do. There is nary a bite of food to be found on either side of, of this video streamed interview right now because of the pandemic. Uh, usually I'm eating food in my car. Usually you're eating pizza, which is delicious and the perfect food, but there's no food happening right now. No. And I have a couple of the, you know, the quarantine interviews I've done. We have, I've had it where my guest gets pizza and I get pizza and we'll have it from like a different pizza place and we'll talk about it. And- the same. It's like phone sex. Yeah, it kind of is. It really is. Have you done? I haven't seen you do that at all on since I, you've been quarantined. When I, I started, you know, I I've been doing this in my car for six years, and when COVID hit, it was like March thirteenth or fourteenth. I decided I would just do it from home every night. When I started, I thought, well, this will be great. I'll have my guest and I kind of share dinner over video. I think that idea lasted for a day or two. Then I'm like, this is too hard to enforce or ask. It's just going to be an interview show for for the foreseeable future. That makes sense. Cause you know, money and things like that. Right. Hey, exactly. So that could, uh, that could definitely stack up after a while, especially since you're doing it every night, every night, which you yeah. tried, right? You tried, you, you went that route for a little bit. 
Yeah, I, I did try that back oh, it was a couple of years ago. I tried doing it every single day. And man, that is so hard to do. Um, <laughs> because I don't what, know how you do it. What people don't realize, booking guests is really hard. When you're a one-person show, it is executing the show is one thing. I mean, we, I'm sure you and I could do this, you know, in our sleep as long right. as everything was set up beforehand. But it's the the back and forth. It's the last minute cancellations. It's the it's convincing people to go on a podcast because there is still that learning curve with people who don't understand the value of podcasting. They're wrong or just oblivious. But there's a lot that goes into just getting a Jacques on the show or whoever broken robots or whoever is on the show there's there's work behind it right yeah the the uh the scheduling part of it take is so time consuming because there's a as you know i'm sure you've had to reschedule dates with people multiple times and i've had to do that and then yeah you have someone cancel but let's say you don't have a backup then it's like you know, then you're, then, yeah, then you're posting online. Hey, uh, anyone free for a podcast tonight? And then it's like desperate, you know, like I, I've, I've come across as desperate a few times and I'm okay with it. <laughs> it was working on a project. And a lot of times I just may not be aware of everything that's going on. I've actually had some great leads just from posting on social media, like, Hey, who's, who's up to something. Yeah. And maybe people who see it aren't necessarily up to something, but they know someone who is it's, it's been, a, it's a, been a helpful tool. Right, right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It, it's been extremely helpful for me. I've, I've run across so many different people that I never thought I would run across before, just from social media. So yeah, I mean, I, I've seen yeah. you've had you know, lots of national level acts, which I think is super cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I and those were like flukes. I didn't think those were would happen because they were so early on when I started this podcast. I it was kind of like, ah, hey, you know what, what the heck, I'll, I'll try it, right. you know. And I tried I it and I got a response back. I feel like punk bands get it better than anyone. I mean, this is a DIY born community. They get it. This, you know, in the nineties, it would have been, can you do an interview for my zine? This crowd. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause everyone like started their own zines. You're right. Yeah. You're totally right. Um, yeah. And, and especially since a lot of the, the more well-known bands I've had, they are from, you know, they started in the nineties so they're not necessarily still attached to, you know, major labels and things like that anymore. They're, they're just doing it completely themselves now because they've got a good enough foundation. They don't need, you know, they don't need all that, you know. And we so. can argue that no one needs a major label at this point in 2020. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, I won't say it's, I'm not saying it's pointless, but, you know, I'm, there's so many people that just get fame from TikTok. They, I mean, you can, you can lose money just fine on your own. You don't need a major label to help you. <laughs> that is so true. Um, so we, when we were we were talking and, and first setting this up, um, the last couple of days are better. Um, you know, you you've mentioned how you've been hosting you know local music shows on the radio since 1995. So how did your career, radio career start out? You're sure this isn't boring. No, I don't think it's boring at all. And in fact, so many people that, like I, like I said, once again, that either listen to this or have been on this show, you, you know, you play their music on Demo 312 or, like I said, with, with your podcast, Concar Con Car or Man, I can't talk today. Um, Carcon Carne. Thank you. Um, it's, you know what? 
I'm going to say, speaking of messing up the podcast name, people mess up my podcast name all the time because of all the P's and you have all the C's. It's exact alliteration always works in naming a show. That's like a radio rule. It uh, really does. But no, I, I would love to hear your start. And I, I feel like a lot of people are fascinated to, to hear these stories. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of a, a typical radio story. And it's funny because um, a friend of mine, Mark Doyle, just jumped on and he kind of figures into me doing a local music show. I was working for the old WKQX back in the 1990s when it was Q101. And the woman who was hosting the local music show, Carla, was leaving the market. She took an opportunity on the East Coast. So the show then called Local Music Showcase, later Local 101, was vacant. None of the full-time disc jockeys wanted it. They, just, they weren't interested in doing an hour of, of local music. I was working as a programming assistant at the radio station. It was my first radio job, 20 hours a week, five bucks an hour, for real. Um, I really wanted to do it. I wanted to play cool music, pick my songs, do it on the radio. So I went into the program director and said, I would like to host that show. He said, I have no idea how you sound on the radio. It's like how you have to prove to me that this would be a good thing for me to do is hire you to do it. In the back of my head, I knew that no one else wanted the job. It, doing a show at like 10 o'clock on a Sunday night isn't the sexiest thing in the world. So the people who are more into being like drive time talent want to know part of it. So what I did was I went to three different local venues and I recorded interviews with bands. I interviewed a band called Loud Lucy at Fireside Bowl. I interviewed Wesley Willis at Lounge Acts and a band called the Nubile Thangs at maybe Martyrs. And I, this is the first time I did interviews with bands. I interviewed them, I chopped them up on reel to reel tape and I put that into a demo with you know five second clips of music, front cells and back cells. I gave it to my boss. He's like, this is great, you've got the show. And wow. was, I probably put in more work than I needed to, but I really wanted to sell it. And it was fun. It was, you know, as I'm like nervously hanging out to meet these local bands and interview them before their shows, including Wesley Willis, who's his own entity altogether. Um, and that, that was it. And that was my first on-air job in Chicago. And, you know, things kind of grew from there. So you, you were still obviously the program assistant for yeah. program. And then you had the the local 101. Now, were you the one that came up with the local 101 name? Maybe. I, I don't remember. Um, it, How that came about? It started as a CD before the show was named that. Um, mm -hmm. We are doing a CD project of local music, and we wanted to name the, the CD that, and we figured it makes sense to change the name of the show to fit the branding of the CD. Yeah. I was definitely in, in those conversations. I don't know if it was me who came up with it, but I, I was definitely in those conversations. What did you use to record these interviews? What's that? What, what, what equipment did you use to record those first interviews you were just talking about? I don't remember. Was it, was I, it, it wasn't cassette, was it? Def, I, definitely cassette, now that I think about it. But this is the 90s. Well, you talked about reel-to-reel, -reel, so I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah, I, I dumped it off cassette onto a reel-to-reel -reel and chopped it up from there. Okay, but yeah, gotcha. portable set player, I'd put it in you know, Wesley Willis's face or whatever. <laughs> Man, I, I had one when I was little and I haven't seen one since. So cassettes you know. such an inferior, terrible way of recording and playing music. They're the what's, worst. What's funny is that I actually there's a there's a guy that works for the company I work for. He still records some of his interviews with a cassette tape. No joke. Has he seen the smartphone? 
He uses a, f- a smartphone as well, but he still, to some degree, he uses this this tape. But I don't I don't know exactly what it is, but it's you know, and he's a you know, he's an old school broadcaster, but Clearly. still. <laughs> clearly yeah but um either way it just always cracked me up um so okay so you you did the interviews your your first interviews you put this this you know demo tape together for your boss now it comes time to be like your first day on the air so what was what was that like i i find that any person i talk to and any radio personality i talk to their first day on the air is usually a good story like, I, don't know that, I don't know that it is because the local music show most of the time was pre-recorded. So I, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, people always say, don't you do your show live? I'm probably doing four minutes total, an hour of talking. doesn't make sense to do it live. Um, it, it's not hard if you're just in a studio by yourself and you can make a million takes till you get the one. I mean, it was definitely different when I did my first live show on kqx it was you know overnight and it, there's something it, it's an adrenaline rush when you're you know you're ready to go live and there are you know, potentially tens hundreds of thousands of people listening and you just hear the sound of air in your headphones and realize okay this is mine to fuck up like it, it is it is like just going climbing to the top of the roller coaster and then going down and fingers crossed but it, it no no great story no no great comedy of errors or, you know, usually you hear stories about people who play the wrong song, say the wrong thing. It's just, I, I'm sure, it, I, I'm glad I, I don't have a copy of it. I wouldn't want to listen back to it, but it was what it was. Yeah. One time I was doing a contest giveaway and it was, I don't know if it was my very first day on the air, but it was one of my first days on the air. And I had, so I was on the phone with this contestant or this listener getting down their you know, their address information and stuff. And somehow I still had their, I had the phone like potted up on the air. <laughs> it was somehow in program. Uh-huh. And so, so their information was getting out over yeah. the air, even though there was, it, I was in a commercial break or I was playing a song or something, but even somehow you ruined a commercial on top of it. That's <laughs> right. So, so one of the, the sales reps came up stairs to the studio and was like so uh how's so-and-so i hear they live in you know this town and (laughs) like they knew they knew their address because you know that was just their way of telling me that hey by the way a little passive aggressive yeah (laughs) a little bit but it's like you know just so you know that actually went over the air just now um so what's some advice that you were given like earlier on in your career that still echoes in your mind to this day? It's a good question. And it's, it's an obvious answer. Be yourself. I, I, I never changed my name to be on the radio. I never wanted to be like James Cougar or James Van Zant or whatever. James Cougar would be good. Sure. <laughs> Van be, you are. I mean, the person who you are on the air, on the podcast needs to be the same person you are when there's no microphone in front of you. I, I, I don't do shtick. I'm just who I am. I mean, that's, that's the best advice I could, g- could give anyone starting in radio or starting a podcast is be authentic. I mean, now more than ever, people crave authentic voices. And that, that's, that's it. Another, another great piece of advice, less about being on the air, but just a great business piece of advice. Uh, my program director, Dave, 
in the late 90s. And again, this seems like elementary stuff, but he always said, take the hit. If you fuck up, if you do something wrong on the air, off the air, own up to it and move on. The people who push back against the, the problems they cause are the ones who always make things worse. Yeah, you're right. I didn't play that song when I should have, or that interview went longer than it should have. Just take the hit, move on. And that, that's a good thing for disc jockey program director relations. That's, that's something that I feel like sometimes I don't remember. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I didn't really think about that. You know, I mean, I've only been, I've, doing, I've been doing this for five and a half years. Me too. And, <laughs> and um, well, the podcast, right? Has, <laughs> you said six years, actually, for the yeah. podcast, but obviously radio much longer. I started in radio in, in 2014, so I'm still like a newbie in this whole thing. Um, but I feel like earlier on, I would maybe battle more instead of just like you said, you just you just own it's up to it. It's not worth the battle. It's like, okay, no, you're right. It's, it's not. It really, it really isn't. And, and I agree. I completely agree with that. Um, so typically on your podcast, you pick a restaurant, you obviously sit in the car with a guest, you eat food. That's, that's so January, what you're describing. It's so January, February. <laughs> Well, I mean, How I roll now. When are do you have a set date of when you're going to get back to doing that? Or it's a great question. I I, I think about this every day. I, I've been thinking about this every day since March. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to Gibson City on the 25th of this month, which is downstate, kind of Champagne, Bloomingdale, Bloomingdale, somewhere in that area. I was just down there on Saturday. I went to see Harry Potter. So, okay, so you went yeah. to the, the drive-in there, which is yes. where I'm going. Local H is doing um, two nights down there. I'll be out there for the first night. And for the first night, I'll be doing Carquin Carne with Scott before he plays. I don't know how to, how to do it. I really don't. And I, I'm struggling with this. As of right now, I'm thinking maybe I bring two, like, baseball chairs, you know, that you get at Dick's, put them on either side of the car and, you know, sit six feet separated and do it like that. I, I haven't figured out the video component for that, but I'm not doing it in the car. I, I, I can't foresee a time anytime soon where, where I'd be doing that. So I think out of the car with the car in the background is about as good as I can get it right now. But it, it's something I'm really, I'm, I'm obsessing about. I, I don't know how to proceed. Yeah, because I mean, if you did it in the car, you'd have to wear masks. There'd have to be like and, a plexiglass divider between the seats. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that would be another thing. And, I'm not sharing food. Right, no. And someone would have to sit in the back. Uh-huh. So, and I think from what I heard today is that normally, you know, they've got the concession stands there at the, the drive-in, but I heard that they're not going to have them open for the local H shows. So they're allowing people to um, purchase like $20 like a like a twenty dollar food ticket to bring in their own food. Yeah, I think is what I heard. So and they will be that's their corking fee. Yeah, exactly. And they they do that for their movies too. But for for when they're airing movies, it's only five bucks for a right. to bring in your own food. So obviously five bucks to twenty bucks. You know they gotta they gotta compensate for not having concessions. Right. But yeah, like you said, there's not going to be food involved. So that would it's, be it's uh, it. it I, I wish the solution were easier and something I could hit sooner than where I'm at. But it's just for right now I'm at home. But at least you're finally getting 
one out there finally a, an, in per, an in-person interview after how many when was the last one uh, it was, in march right it was march 12th i was at uh, lagunitas tap room um yeah it, it's exciting i've got to make a six-hour round trip to do it but there you go i was gonna say because you're i'm north north yeah and for me gibson city is about an hour so it's it's not so bad but oh, um, they drive by <laughs> yeah you're gonna drive by uh-huh. um so that'll be cool um but you know typically before covid you know it's all about you know you you always pick a local restaurant you sit in the car with your guests you eat the food and you record the podcast what i wanted to know is is there anything that you will not eat is there anything you you don't like because i've seen you eat so many different things <laughs> on the podcast i i'm open to everything i i have I have a pretty adventuresome palate i'll try everything what so, what was one of the things you were surprised that you thought i am totally not going to like this well and Keep in mind, the, the food I would usually eat in the car was bar food and hot dogs. I mean, th- those were like my, my safe positions. I, I tend to go low budget and cheap. Um, so it's not like I'm trying tongue or head cheese in the car. It's, it's pretty traditional fare. It's like, okay, we're, tonight we're going for burgers or we're going for tacos. So I, there, there's nothing where I could say, you wouldn't believe what I did. It's more about, you wouldn't believe the size of what I brought into the car into my Mazda three, I shared a 20 inch pizza with Joe from rise against that was difficult to maneuver. Uh, my friend, Brian, who used to be known as sludge on the radio is now known as Brian. We shared like a giant, I, I can't even describe the size of the steak on a giant cutting board. And we somehow had to eat that across the front seat. It's more about the logistic challenge of the food we bring in more than the uh, shock value of the actual food. And the, the, the performances too. Those were great. Thank you. Those are fun to do. I, a lot of what I do on the podcast is stuff that I just can't do on the radio anymore. So one of my favorite things I used to do was live performances on the air. And this is how I do it. I have bands bring in instruments and I try to mic it all up. And sometimes it's a train wreck. Sometimes it's transcendent. I, I never know what it's going to be. And it, it's cool. And you, Bands have to figure out how to move the necks of their guitar so they're not hitting each other in the heads with their headstock. It, it, it's, it's crazy, and I love it. Yeah, every, every, one I've, every performance I've seen in the car is, is always fantastic. You're like looking at it like, is he really playing like that right now? How is he possibly you know, picking that song when he's got no room to move his oh, yeah. arm? There are windows rolled down so that instruments could turn out the window to provide just a little more space. Uh, there was one band, I had a rockabilly band, um, Them Guilty Aces at Gene and Jude's. And there were so many of them, the harmonica player had to play outside the car and lean in through the open window to play, which was totally great. You need to have someone film the cars or just people passing by one day just 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 a camera just on the people passing by just to get the reactions on their faces when they're seeing these you would think that no in the city of chicago nothing phases people oh that's true i could be sitting in the front seat with one of those big cartoon spy versus spy bombs and people would walk right by nothing phases people Oh, that's so, normal. Yeah. yeah just, just another day in Chicago. Don't look you know, at the ear, just keep walking. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't think about that part. But that makes perfect sense now that you mention it. So, Because uh-huh. I'll see weird things when I'm walking the streets sometimes in Chicago, and people are just walking by like it's... Yeah, I've nothing. had less performers in the car. I've had bands perform 
nothing phases anybody. Yeah. So has anyone, I mean, I, I think it was with Lucky Boys, someone hit your car while you were actually doing the podcast. That was a Lucky, that sure. was like the- uh, that, was, that was Kastub from Lucky Boys and Brad uh, from who's Kastub's bandmate in The Hoodie Life. Oh, that's right. It was You're in Pilsen. And yeah, this guy just misjudged backing into a spot and drove right into my front end. It, that, that's real. I mean, that's how you know it's live. Now, is that, that's the only time that's actually happened during a podcast, right? Yes. Yes. And that's pretty good considering like at that point you had done probably over 200 or 250 or 300 at at episodes at that point. I was pushing 300 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty good (laughs) considering like, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Has anyone ever vomited in your car? No. I, I, I'm not a Lyft driver. I mean, it's just, these are bands. We're only together for like an hour. We're not. Hey, you never know, man. Cause you get a bad hot dog, you get a bad something, you know, things get weird. Usually, usually the reaction I think takes longer than that, but no, so far, so far, so good. The worst casualty I've experienced is, you know, a spilled hot sauce somewhere or, you know, dropped Italian beef. Uh huh. Okay. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. Um, so if, if you and I were going out for pizza, where would we go? Hmm. Like, what's like the first place? And it could be any, you know, anywhere. Excellent question. I do, boy, is, I, I, I love Dante's for slices. That is good. It's so, it's like very floppy. It's very New York. Oh, yeah, they're, they're special, like their slice of the day or their special slice, which is really good. You know, I, I do love, I, I reject the, this idea that Chicagoans don't really eat deep dish pizza. I love deep dish. Um, I, I, I still love Lou's. I still love Pequod's uh, very much. But I, there is something to be said for a slice and a soda. So I, I'd probably take you to Dante's. Yeah, I love Dante. I haven't been to Dante's in years, probably eight years. So I would love that. Um, all right. So let's get to, since you are on Pop Punk and Pizza podcast, a lot of the the pop punk bands that you know you play on Demo Three One Two, like I said, have been on this podcast and and talked about you. I thought it'd be cool to, for them to hear like what what are some of your favorite pop punk or punk oriented albums and or songs. Uh, did Lights Over Bridgeport say anything bad? No. <laughs> Why are they supposed to? <laughs> I, I saw that Johnny was on. I'm just he was on, yeah. And I'm trying to remember if he was one of the people that me- he probably did mention it. Honestly, I but I can't remember because that was back in March, and I already forgot. Quarantine is oh March, yeah. yeah. That, that, <laughs> like what happened in March? I I don't re- remember. So so you, you all right? You want to talk about pop punk? You want me to let's through some let's James Van Osdel and pop punk. You are a man of so many different musical genres and backgrounds especially with um you know uh the podcast i mean you have people from hard rock to jazz to yeah oh yeah in between. last month i've had like non-point ramsey lewis yeah exactly that's what i mean like all over the place which i love i i, I believe that's the way most people listen to music i mean if you were to look at a playlist on my phone it would violently jerk from one genre to the next you know, song to song. I, I don't listen to just one type of music. I, I love music. And that's why I got into radio. I wanted to be able to play music for people. It wasn't to hear my voice. It was 
because I'm into music and this was a great way to be around it all the time. So as far as pop punk goes, what I did, you, you challenged me. You said, come up with a list of five albums. I also came up with some songs. So I came up with a list of five pop punk albums spanning five decades. Oh, nice. I reject the idea that pop punk started in the 1990s. And with that, I'm going to start with the 1970s. To me, the Ramones are to pop punk what Sabbath is to metal. It all kind of started there. The Ramones wrote these melodic, hooky songs about girls, did it in three minutes' time with big power chords. So my pick for pop punk album from the 1970s, I, I think one of the Rosetta Stones is Rocket to Russia from 1978. You've got Sheena is a punk rocker, Rockaway Beach, Teenage Lobotomy. Now, to be fair, yes, they sing about girls. They also sing about scoring drugs, and they sing about mentally disabled people. But the, the groundwork was laid there. In many ways, I think the Ramones are a Rosetta Stone for this genre of pop punk. And you may disagree. I don't, I don't know how you define pop punk. No, I, I would completely agree with that because before like Green Day did their whole American Idiot thing, and actually from American Idiot on, uh, I guess pre-American Idiot, so many people just said, oh, they're just the Ramones. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you, a lot of this a lot of the sounds a lot of their songs are are very comparable to what the ramones laid out so i i completely agree agree with that so all right so let's jump to the 80s i think the the answer that you're supposed to give for the 1980s is milo goes to college by the descendants that's not my pick my first i think my first real exposure to pop punk and it's it's punk rock but we're going to call it pop punk in the 80s was screeching weasel the album boogada 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 which is fun to say it's, it's not their best album. I, I think their best album is still a, a couple years away. But this was one that I connected with. That I, I remember when I heard I Hate Led Zeppelin by Screeching Weasel for my first time. This is late 80s. And the lyrics, Robert Plant is a slimy fuck. John Bonham, man, he really sucked. And that just, that's punk spirit just, just eviscerating the previous generation. Just, yes. yeah, your idols, fuck them. And that, that to me just connected. And then... Uh, on that same album, I Want to Be Naked, which, going back to the Ramones, rips off I Want to Be Sedated by the Ramones. And that, that album just connected. Again, not the best Screeching Weasel album, but that, to me, was the pop-punk album from the 80s. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. I feel, like, um, I feel like 80s as a whole, 80s punk or pop-punk, whatever you want to call it, was all about kind of tearing into that, the generation before and saying, fuck them. Like, like you were just Ed saying. And we're doing it too. I mean, they're yeah. tearing apart your idols. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. So jumping ahead to the 1990s, you know, it's funny. As we were laying the groundwork for this show, I'm like, I don't want to spend too much time talking about local music. I don't want to appear like I'm playing favorites. That said, which, for, the, for the 1990s. <laughs> which makes you very professional, but are you about to like yeah, jump about, over that? About, You're about to say, screw it. <laughs> I'm about to say uh, Born to Quit by the Smoking Popes. Okay. Just like Boogada, 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 I don't think this is the best Sm- Smoking Popes album. I think that was a couple years later with Destination Failure. But Born to Quit just hit all the right notes. This is a fantastic pop punk album. My Lucky Day, Rubella, Gotta Know Right Now, Need You Around. This is a young, very young, scrappy, suburban band finding their voice, finding their sound. And you know, the same year that the world was exposed to Dookie. It just, in a parallel universe, Born to Quit would have been 
as big as Dookie. What, what a great band. What a great album. And that, that's what I'm pointing to for the 90s. And I realize I'm not talking about Jawbreaker or any of the other obvious ones. But for me, it was Born to Quit. I love that you're sticking with <laughs> Chicago bands even, you know. I, or just the last two anyway. I know. And I, as I sat down to think about it, I'm like, oh, I, I should really not do this. So let's move to the 2000s. I thought, does AFI count? Yeah, pop- I mean, I so many people are like, well, AFI was sort of pop punk, but a lot of people say they're emo, and they, they they're they're kind of like a lot of bands in the 2000s had a pop punk emo post hardcore, whatever kind of sounds you want to call them. They kind of all blended in, you know. Well, I I, I have two choices for the uh, 2000s. Ooh, the Art of Drowning by AFI connected with me because I, I definitely lean more toward the darker stuff and they were this was a definitely a transition album for them before they became more pop and before you, you saw more girls at their shows uh, days of the phoenix absolutely struck a chord with me in the year 2000 when it came out that said i, I should mention alistair i'm not gonna mention alistair great album last stop suburbia but sticking with chicago apathy and exhaustion by lawrence arms was a monumental album for me in 2003 or wherever, whenever that came out. I still love those songs, porno and snuff films, mm-hmm. uh, your, your gravest words, which is more down tempo. I think it's a fantastic album. Yeah. You, you definitely like the darker, the darker side, which is, which I feel like is kind of like a, a Chicago thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, from even bands from the, the last decade that have so-called come out of the genre, like real friends, you know, they were more on the cusp of of a of a not necessarily darker but just emotional part, and I feel like that's just a, like a Chicago staple. I I don't know, and I don't know when exactly that started, but I feel like that's just it just continues. You know. All right, so I'm leaving Chicago for the 2010s. Okay, wow. Hey, All I'm, right, I'm really I, curious I, to hear this. I think it's hard to ignore the Menzingers and After the Party from the past 10 years. That that seems to be the album for the genre. Although I am also kind of partial to the self-titled Mast Intruder album, keeping it in the Midwest. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, After the Party is just big power chords, melody for days. I think it's a fantastic album. Yeah, I, I agree. And Menzingers really, um, really pushed themselves through in the, in the, the 2010s. Yeah, for sure. And, for sure. and that, that's five albums. Wow. That's that's some solid stuff there, man. I'm impressed. You really you really put some thought into that. I well, I, I hate being asked questions like this and not having time to really think about it. Mm-hmm. I, I want I want it to be I want it to be honest and true and not just off the cuff. Yeah, right. And it, it that's you definitely uh definitely did a good job at at thinking all those through. So solid choices, man. Thank you. All right, so you've got songs too? I've got songs. I've okay. Got, uh, my favorite newish pop punk song is one that people probably won't like. Uh, it's Boris the Sprinkler, new album. It's like a two minute song. It's called She Got the Wonk Shicky Shicky Wonk Wonk. <laughs> it Can't sounds like it's straight out of the 60s. <laughs> it's, it's, little, it's stupid and it's a total earworm stuck in my head. You know, I saw the Lillingtons. A few months ago, it was November, and it made me remember just how fucking good Black Hole in My Mind is and how that's, that's another song that cannot 
escape my brain once I put it in there. It, it's so great. Such a big hook. Love the guitars on that. Uh, another song I'm going to add to my list. Let's go back to the Smoking Popes. You Spoke to Me, which is about Jawbreaker. So it's kind of a Jawbreaker. There you go. Getting uh-huh. Jawbreaker in there a little bit. I don't think 88 Fingers Louie counts as pop punk. I always thought of them as straightforward punk punk. Um, yeah. But I love 100 Proof from them and I'm representing 88 today. Oh, nice. Very uh, nice. Now, one thing you, you may notice in my songs, in songs and picks, I don't lean too hard on the pop side of pop punk. Yeah. That said, I can appreciate all day long the, the pop beauty of Swing Swing by All American Rejects. That to me is a really well-constructed pop song. It's beautiful. Love the, love the vocals on that. I think that is a, a great example of the genre. There's something about their songwriting or, uh, or Ty's, Tyson, uh, Tyson Ritter, I think. If, I don't know why I'm forgetting his name. Um, there's, he's just so good at, at portraying that, that pop and hooking in that, that punk um, influence in there. And, and I've always, always loved All American Rejects. So I actually was not expecting that considering well, your album choices and the song or the songs you picked before that. But I realized I didn't have any higher pitched poppy vocalists on my list. So I figured I should throw one in there just to balance things out. I love it. I love it. Was that the last one already? Um, I've got a couple other ones. What, what do I want to go with? Uh, does face to face count? Cause I loved, I won't lie down in the nineties. I mean, you know, a lot of people classify them as skate punk, but you know, I'm a person that everyone's got their own opinion on what something sounds like, you know? So, I mean, I, I face to face is in the punk genre. So yeah. Right, how, about, how about same era? Let's go with when I get old by descendants. There we go. So I want to, yeah, you got to get descendants in there. Yeah, it's a must. Check the descendants box. So we're yeah. good. Yeah, especially since uh, you brought up Johnny Hamlin from Lights Over Bridgeport. He, Descendants is like his band. So, oh, it, yeah. So there, <laughs> I, I, we're good then. Awesome. We're wow. I, I, uh, I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you thinking really hard about that and actually throwing in the, uh, um, the, the added effort. So, so thank <laughs> you for that. Now, do you remember when like you were first, introduced to a punk band like what do you remember what was it the ramones was it, it probably was the ramones it probably was watching national lampoon's vacation for my first time and hearing blitzkrieg bop as they hit lakeshore drive like, what is that song yeah it's, it's I mean, just so classic but in, in the nine in the 80s i i really became aware of punk rock because of naked ray gun that 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 was the band they defined the sound the style with the black cop coats and the Chicago flag, the, the whoa, whoa, whoa. That was Chicago to me. And I thought Reagan, I still think uh, Reagan was cool and dangerous and, and exciting. And that, that made me aware of punk rock, at least in, on a Chicago level. Were they one of the, was that the first punk band you saw in Chicago? I don't know. I don't think. You don't so. remember the first punk show you went to? I don't think Iggy Pop counts because by that point he was too big, but maybe. But he, he you know, he kind of comes from that. Oh, absolutely. Rock, you know, yeah. so, I but mean, by the time even, I saw- even if he was big, it's still, 
Sort of counts, I guess. By the time I saw Iggy, it was the Blah 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 tour, which was about the least punk rock thing in his entire catalog. Very true. Yeah, at that point. But, okay, so we'll say, like, first, more locally based. We'll say Ray Gun. Okay. Do you remember how old you were? It must have been... Wasn't a kid. I was probably 19 or 20. Okay. I, I've always been fascinated with Fireside Bowl. And what do you remember about Fireside? What I remember about Fireside is by the time I went there, I was too old to be there. Like I was, I, I felt I was young at the time, but I felt too old walking in there. It was definitely a younger, I was, you know, probably late 20s when I was going there uh, to see shows. And I, I definitely felt like, okay, I'm going to hang out in the bar because I, I feel like... <laughs> like a, a Chris Hansen's going to walk in any minute. Like I don't belong in this room. This is weird. Um, I, I don't know. The bathrooms were terrible. The sound was shitty, but it was a legitimate community. It was a legitimate vibe. It, what the booking was, if you look back on some of those old show lists, I mean, it's unbelievable. The bands that played and played there, that was a must. That was a, a, a must for bands routing through the area. Uh, I think it was great. I wish there was something like it. I wish there was something for all ages. It's something I, I've thought about a lot. A lot as my son's gone through high school and he loves music, but there's not a whole lot of stuff that's affordable, let alone all ages, for him to do. I wish there was something like Fireside for kids in the 21st century. Yeah, I I often think about that, and um, I don't know what it would take, and I don't know if it's because the this generation is not interested or. It's what? a good question, but it, there's clearly value in that, and there's clearly community out there, and I think it just takes someone with with the entrepreneurial spirit to say, okay, we're going to turn this space into this. Yeah, yeah, it it really is going to take someone to actually connect well with the current generation, also figure out what exactly they want, you know, because obviously they're not going to want exactly the fireside bowl because that was, you know, a completely different generation but you know a version of the like a 21st century version of fireside so like you were saying so yeah um i forgot what i was gonna ask now isn't that the worst (laughs) it is the worst it happens to me a lot today i'm I'm having like a very typical monday today i don't know about you but yeah i think tuesday um, the worst day of the week monday i can do monday man it's so i say the same thing like Tuesdays are my usually my worst. Like Mondays, I'm usually pretty good. Monday, you know, Mondays is the first day back into the swing of things. You got that adrenaline rush of okay, let's do this new week. Wednesday, oh, you're halfway there. Thursday, tomorrow's Friday. Tuesday is just kind of miserable. Yeah, you have exactly. so long to go before the week is over. Mm-hmm. I when Tuesday rolls around, I'm like, oh, I gotta do this shit again. Uh-huh. You know, like Monday, like you said, I feel good, I feel refreshed. Exactly. And then Tuesday rolls around, and I'm just like, man, like I just, I just can't. I don't know if I can do this today. I mean, so two for Tuesday, it's not as great as it could be. No, I I completely agree. Um, when I first um, had heard your name, I did not realize that you were the uh, like the first host of local 101 because when i was growing up it was chris payne so i had a it was actually uh, drew neely who was the one that was like it's like yeah uh james van osdell he was the one that did local 101 and he used to or there were shows at metro that yeah used to throw right he used to talk about those shows he would do lodo shows at metro every week all local bands and metro would book him i'd come out and host him 
those were great times. Yeah, he showed, I think I think what sparked it is he showed me a video from one of those shows, and it was insane how filled the place was for a it, local showcase. Dependent on the week. I mean, what I do appreciate from that period is we had the radio station support. Like the radio station talked about these shows every Wednesday for five bucks. I think it was five bucks. You know, see four bands, and there'd be one mid to upper range local band headline, and maybe it was not Rebecca one week, or I don't even know, but. It, it was cool and there was momentum. It, there was, it was a series that had a brand that was developed over time and it, it worked. I, I really, those were, those were great times. It would be, it would be cool to get something like that back if things ever with Agreed. COVID, you know, Agreed. It, just, it would just be, we, I feel like we need more, more things like that in the scene again. I so, so, so to speak, you know, um, I finally just started reading the uh, oral history you did on the original Q101 and I'm like way behind because like, I, I think I, I discovered it like three years ago. Now I'm finally just like starting to get into it. I don't want to spoil the ending, but the, the station goes away. <laughs> <laughs> it does? Oh, no, no, it doesn't because I can't tell you how many people are still calling it Q101. You know, and I correct them all the time. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's it might seem like it could be the same. It's the same, you know, frequency, but same you know, call letters. I get it. Same call, yeah. Well, the call letters are a little different, aren't They're they? Percent the same. WKQX. It wasn't. Nope. I thought, really, me. I always thought the the call letters were a little different, like just slightly, for for 1011 back in back in the 90s nope no well i'm looking forward to reading the rest of the book so um it's, if, as a radio person i think you'll appreciate it yeah i uh what are what are some of the I mean, you've had so many different stops at so many different stations over the years so i i know you've got to have some some interesting stories to share i, I don't know whatever stories there are are probably in that book i mean you and I have both arrived at radio or in radio after the insanity, the, the insane years, the, the cocaine and hookers years. So I, I didn't really see much or I, I was never around that much craziness. I mean, yes, when Mancow came to KQX back in the day, I, it was not unusual to see full frontal nudity walking into the office in the morning. That was, that was different. I mean, people who walk into a job at bank of America have a different experience perhaps, but I don't think so. I, don't, I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's about the same, isn't it? I, I, maybe. So I, I don't know if I have any of those crazy stories. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, but the stories I shared in the book are really other people's stories. I, I was very careful. And I, I say this in the beginning of the book, very careful to not make it about me or not insert myself into the book. I, I wanted to, I wanted to stay kind of neutral as neutral as you can be uh, as a storyteller. I just wanted to frame everything and not, not over, over force my hand. Do you have any other books in the works currently on, no, on any other subjects? I, I do love writing. I really, really do. And I wish I had more time to do it. Um, I, I wrote a couple years after that, maybe two years ago now, I wrote a very short, like 50 page Kindle only book about the job search in the modern day and, and work, just how difficult it is to find and hold a job in, in the 21st century. Cause I, 
I had jobs post radio that were traumatizing to the point of leaving me like scarred with PTSD. They were so shitty. Um, so what were, what was a job that you did after was, was that after your original run at KQX that you, yeah, I mean, my, my LinkedIn profile is a little, little lengthier than I'd prefer, but so I worked (laughs) at KQX from 93 to 2000, December of 2000. From there, I went to XRT for a year. And then after that, I went to a station called the zone zone WZZN for five years. And then after that, I worked in the digital department of Emmis, which is the company that used to own KQX in the loop. I uh, worked there for five years. Then I worked for a, a re- restaurant replacement parts company in Addison called Partstown. The, the name sounds made up, but that's the name of the company. Partstown. Worked there for a year and uh, did a lot of part-time stuff. I, it just the, the long, long story short is it's really hard to find work. And it's harder especially if you only have broadcasting on your resume. It, it definitely, it's hard for, the great thing about radio and what I've always loved about radio is it's an industry, it's a business that favors unicorns, people who can do a lot of different stuff. So you can walk in one day, uh, today I need to work on audio production, I'm gonna do an interview, I'm gonna help promotions with you know, a brainstorming meeting. Every day is different. The rest of the world doesn't work like that. The rest of the world wants you to do one thing and that's all you do. So when you're approaching a job or an employer with a radio resume, it's really hard for them to understand how you did all this stuff, but now you're just going to focus on this one thing and how that translates. It's not a direct comparison. And it's, it's a salesman, salesmanship job once you get the interview to explain, no, 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 I'm not really just that guy. Here's, I'm, I'm, I'm this guy too, and I, I can do this one thing and just put me in the cubicle and leave me to do my one task and I'll be great at it. It's, it's very difficult. Yeah, I would imagine because radio anymore, because you've you've kind of grown up in that um, period when you when you started out in '93, even probably to 2000, there was so much change. Probably even in in just that seven years from because of the internet. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, and I, having I, sorry, I was, go ahead. I was the first webmaster of WKQX back in the day. I didn't know how to code or anything. It was just more of a content gig. But yeah, I remember when we launched our first website, which came after our own AOL keyword, which was very sexy. <laughs> AOL keyword. Uh-huh. What was the what was the AOL keyword? Q one one. There you go. Yeah. Um. So, what? And and now actually, your job. I mean, you obviously do demo three one two, but you actually are the you're the um, content manager. I don't know the specific title. I, f- I forgot when I looked it up. I, it, it changes depending on who you ask in the building. I do digital content. Or- okay, I was going to say it's digital content. So you just provide stuff to, to post on the website? Yeah, or Digital covers a lot of things. And again, this is why I like radio. It, it changes day by day. Digital can mean SMS marketing one day or email or social media or web content. It, it depends on the day, what, what the needs are. And what has been exciting uh, and unfortunate by, or a fortunate byproduct of sheltering in place is needing to kind of find a way through COVID-19 digitally. What do you do? And this is a topic, I mean, not just in, in the workplace, but this is something I talk about on my podcast a lot with musicians and other creatives. How do you navigate through this? How do you create around this? Because you can't wait 
for the world to return to normal. I, I don't know that that's something that will ever happen. So how do you as an artist or a creative innovate around this? And it, it's, it's a big challenge and it's not a question that has easy answers, but what can be done to find a new way? And it's a question I, I throw at bands. It's a question I throw of, of anyone. It, it, podcasters. I mean, you're doing it from home, clearly. You're, yeah. you're very, very well. I'm in, I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> very well lit bedroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got a lamp here. I've got a lamp up above me. And then there's, there's, <laughs> there's my fan over there. You know? So, yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I was well lit. Every day, every day I look at these and think I need to do something about lighting and then I forget about it till the next time I record and think I need to do something about lighting. <laughs> yep. It's, it's the, it's that th having that, uh, that radio brain, you know, but anymore video is so intertwined with radio. Well, video it, is, it is, but also I think people, the, the universe is more forgiving of raw content. I mean, Video from home doesn't need to be super HD, lights everywhere, really thought out presentation. Are you delivering authentic, good content? Okay, that, that's the most important thing. The rest of the stuff, yeah, it'd be great if that were good, good too, but people just want to connect with content. And I don't think you need to have the production values of Disney to convey that. No, no, definitely not. I, I know one thing that I learned in broadcasting school was even the video guys always talked about how important your audio was. They sometimes made it sound like the audio was more important than the video, you know, um, because they, they would always talk about, now you might be all worried about your shot, but if you've got shitty audio, <laughs> your, your video is, is, is ruined. It's shit. You know, it's true. They would, they would always oh my God, don't we sound good right now? Don't we, bo we both have these nice professional setups here, you know, Sounded nice and crisp, so this is uh, this is very nice. I uh, I and did you end up getting the uh, the the L eight or the um, the well job? <laughs> you did. There it is. Wow. How do you like it so far? I, I like it very much. It, it was between this and the Roadcaster, which was about two hundred dollars more. Yeah, and but they do a lot of the same things from what I keep reading. <laughs> to me, it's the difference between an iPhone and an Android. By the way, Android. Um, <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> the Roadcaster is very much a plug and play, but there were certain things about the L8 that I really liked. One of which, two more mic inputs, which, you know, if I'm recording a band in my car, I, I would love to have the opportunity to plug in two more mics. Also, battery power. Because yes. what I do is portable most of the time. I, I don't want to have to worry about a power source. I want to know that, okay, I've got four AA batteries. I'm good for the next couple hours. Right. Those were two of the big deciding factors. And also, if I don't have to spend $200 more than otherwise, I, I don't want to. I, everyone's tight right now. I don't want to spend that extra money. Yeah, and I know the the L8 even still has the the tiny little pads you can hit if you yeah. want to do like a sound effect. Or... It doesn't work for what we're doing right now uh -huh. because they the uh, pre-programmed pads, which would be where you play music beds or, or drops, um, they share channels with the USB input. Okay, gotcha. So that's that's maybe a bit of a downside, but it just right. It just depends on. Literally, it's me just playing Josh Caterer's voice. For the theme song, I'll add that. Yeah. Yes, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's not a big deal. You can just add that in later. Yeah. Know? So, awesome. Um, 
Oh, I was going to ask you about guitar though. I've been wanting to know how that's going. I know you, you said that was one, that's been like one of your things besides, you know, doing uh car con carne every day. Um, yeah, I mean, it, learning guitar. I, I realize that I get bored and antsy if I don't have stuff to do. And I wanted to give myself purpose when we started sheltering in place. So I moved my podcast to nightly. I'm like, okay, this will give me something to do. This will give me structure, a minimum of five nights a week. And I thought that was a great idea. Then I thought I should do something that's a little more educational. So I've always wanted to learn how to play, play guitar. So beginning of April, I, I got myself an acoustic Fender and I've been taking the Fender play classes every night. I've been practicing 15 to 30 minutes a day. I'm as good as you'd expect after two months, but I, I'm aware that I'm making progress. It's nothing I, I'm ready to share with the world, that, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm aware that I'm getting better just by doing it every day. And it's hard. I mean, my fingers are callous, so I've got that to show for myself. Um, but, it, but that's good. You, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, at least you've got that built up. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. And in my head, I think I had it as being harder than it is to learn. It's just like with anything, you just got to do it every day. And so I, I'm having a blast doing it. That's my problem is getting in that routine of doing 15 minutes or however many minutes a day. I still can't get myself to do it. I mean, I play, but you know, I've, I just, I'm not getting any better because I'm not, <laughs> not playing every day, you know? So. And all that, you know, yay me. I'm doing my podcast every night. Yay me. I'm learning guitar. I realize that's that's the way I'm handling things. I also think it's okay if people aren't doing shit during this. I, I I realize this is such a weird time of this shared collective trauma. Uh, it, you know, people shouldn't feel bad if they're not being productive. It's just it's just a weird, strange, awful time, and it's scary and uncertain. If you want to, you know, go through Netflix for hours on it, great. I think it, all bets are off. Everything's fair. If you want a day drink, sure, that's fine too. <laughs> just yeah, just because everyone deals with it differently. Yeah, that's it. There's no, there's no set way you should deal with it, other than yeah. you know, don't be self-destructive or harmful to others. Those, those obvious are obvious. Yeah, yeah, right. Those are the obvious things. You don't want to do that. So, um, but it's been great talking to you, James, and I really appreciate this because I, you know, I've I've looked up to you. Obviously, you being a veteran in Chicago media. And, you know, I've still kind of starting out in this business. Um, it, uh, it, it really means a lot that you took some time with me today to just talk about you, talk about the podcast, talk about your favorite pop punk albums and, and you know, how, how things are going during COVID. But I'm glad that you're finally going to be doing an in-person interview. I bet that's going to be weird driving all the, way, all the way to Gibson City for you, man. You're going to be like, what, what, what's huh? going on right now? I'm going somewhere? Yeah, just hit 57 and keep going. Yeah, pretty much. You're going to go to 57 and then get on like 50, get off at 54. That's not the exit number. That's just the name uh -huh. of the road. And then I, I can't remember. You're on, I think you're on 54 for a while. And I can't remember from there. Cause obviously I was just there on Saturday, but I've already, I've, I've been there. I don't know, probably five times in the last 10 years to that drive in. And it's pretty cool. I don't know if you've been out there. but No, I, I haven't. And it's one of those things. I know getting there will be awesome. 
I'll you know play, play my music on Bluetooth. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Look at this. I'm out going on an adventure for the first time in months. Going home is going to suck. Yes, it yeah. always does. Even an hour away because it's yeah. it's already late at night because the movie doesn't start until late. When, right. Until the, until it's dark out. Yeah, and it's going to be the same for the show. So, and yeah, you, you drive home and you're literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're going to be passing, you know, you already know you're going to be passing towns that have 200 people in them, uh -huh. you know? So, so I mean, and the thing that I got scared about on the way home was hitting a deer, maybe, you know, like you got to watch out for the deer. I actually saw some foxes on my way um, to the theater. I did see a deer on the way home too, but luckily it was far enough away that I didn't have to worry about it, you know, confronting my car. But just so you know, you know, look out for, for there, there'll be some for energy drink in a cooler. Yeah. To, to co-pilot me back. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so is there anything else you have coming up that you want to talk about or I, I, you know, plug all your socials and stuff like that too. Well, as far as what's coming up, I thought I'd stay home for a while. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. I mean, <laughs> what else are you going to do? I mean, that, 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 that's, that's all we're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay home for a little bit. Um, socials, Carquin Carney on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, CarquinCarney.com. That's where you find it. Okay. And then if, you know, there's, as far as Demo 312, if there's a band in the city that's never submitted music to you before, how Please, do they do that? Uh, 101wkqx.com slash Demo 312. There's a submission form. I, I will encourage you to send links to downloads. The, the worst thing I get is Spotify links. I can't play those on the radio. Send me your music so I can actually turn around and play it the next week. Is it usually Dropbox or something like that that you prefer? Dropbox, or Drive, whatever. Yeah. Any, any okay. of those cloud-based platforms. Yeah, Waves, MP3s. Uh, waves only. Waves only, okay. Yeah, that's, just, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, they sound better on the air than MP3. Oh, yeah. Oh, so much, so much better than an MP3. I, I completely agree. Um, and then I think that, I think that's pretty much it. So Let, I was just trying to make sure we cover the basis. So what's up? Let's kill the, the Facebook live. Thank you everybody for watching in the middle of the afternoon. Yes. Thank you. Uh, oh, and Mike Weinberg, uh, who cuts my hair and does a fine job, uh, says, uh, I just lost it. He wanted to know if I was talking about the Popes. Yes. Born to quit 1994. That's right. Rubella. Need you around. Um, anyone else? That was an amazing Lawrence Arms album. I agree. Apathy and ex exhaustion. Tom says, hi, James. Dan DeBoard says, great interview. Thank you, Dan. Oh, thank you. Uh, Tyler Wildey from Epic Deli says, hey, guys. Jimmy Costanzo of Cap Gun Heroes says, what's up, guys? Oh, yeah. Jimmy's a good guy. He's we didn't talk guy. about your sandwich. For, right? <laughs> Is that at Epic Deli? Right? Was it oh. Epic Deli? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there have been two sandwiches. There was the JVO which was open-faced, just, it was like a pork explosion, like pork belly and bacon. Oh, my God. Uh, open-faced on cornbread. That sounds amazing. Also, it was so good. Uh, and there was also a limited Carcon Carne special burger. I forgot what all was on that. but that we did Wasn't that. there an egg on it, maybe? Or am I making that up? I remember <laughs> that one. I don't remember one. Like, I remember it being a thing, but I don't remember exactly. I, the only thing I thought maybe was on it was an egg, but I, I can't. My goal this week, I, I have some downtime this week. My goal is to visit Epic Deli and uh, rekindle my love affair with Tyler, Tyler Wildey. There you go. Yeah. Uh, sorry, let's kill the Facebook Live. Thank you, everybody, okay. for watching.
I'm James. That's Jacques. And we're out. Cool.